Welcome to Multifamily Real Estate Investing, presented by Mara Poling. My name is Pat Poling. I'm the founder and CEO of Mara Poling. Happy to be with you today to discuss another topic of great interest, especially this time of year during tax season. And that is three unique real estate investing tax advantages. This has to do with how you can defer tax while investing in commercial real estate, how you can reduce your tax liability while investing in commercial real estate, and three, how you could potentially eliminate your tax liability investing in commercial real estate. So we're going to dive in. Two quick things before we do. First, as always, if you have questions, shoot me an email, pat at marapolling.com. And swing by our website, marapolling.com, M-A-R-A-P-O-L-I-N-G.com. Lots of good material there for you. And number two, whenever we talk about taxes, as always, please speak to your tax advisor. I'm giving some educational material today that will hopefully spark some ideas. If you have questions about the real estate side of it and how that works, shoot me an email, set some time up for a call. I'm happy to chat with you about all of that. If you have questions about what that means for you specifically regarding your taxes, go talk to your tax advisor. If you don't have one, please go get one. Even if you do your own taxes, it's always good to have somebody you can talk to about taxes. I strongly encourage my clients to have a tax advisor and in particular to do their, uh, have the tax advisor do your taxes for you. Uh, I haven't done my taxes in decades and I have saved a ton because of that. Uh, and in my experience, everybody that uses a tax advisor makes a lot more out of that investment uh, than it costs them. So uh, please talk to your tax advisor about any of this that you have interest in uh, pursuing. And again, all of these items are going to be applicable whether you're investing with Mara Poling or a firm like Mara Poling and you get a K-1 or whether you're buying a property and managing it yourself. All of these things are available to you. So with that, we're going to talk about deferral, reduction, and elimination. Let's start with deferral. So there are two ways you defer taxes. One is through the utilization of depreciation, and the second is through the 1031 sale exchange. We'll start with depreciation. Real estate can depreciate assets, right? Real estate investments can do that. Well, anything can do that, right? If you happen to own a share of stock in... Uh, UPS, or you own a share of stock in General Motors, or you own a share of stock in, uh, you know, a local company down the street from you, a local manufacturer, they get to depreciate their assets just like our real estate investments get to be depreciated. The difference is, and this is what's unique about a commercial multifamily investment that you might make, is we're depreciating an appreciating, pardon me, an appreciating asset. Uh, whereas in the other instances, right, UPS, when they depreciate one of their trucks, well, they're depreciating a depreciating asset. It's actually going down in value. We're depreciating a building that we bought for $10 million that's actually growing in value. It's worth 10 and a half, 11, 11 and a half, 12, so on and so on but we're writing it down. And what that write down does is it allows us to shelter taxes that we would have due today and defer them into the future. And that deferral has a lot of value in it. 
Same with 1031s. When we sell an asset, and again, it goes up in value, when we sell an asset that's gone up in value, instead of paying tax at that point in time, we can do something called a 1031 sale exchange, and we can defer that tax liability into the future. Now, in both of those instances, when we take advantage of depreciation and when we execute a 1031, we are taking tax that we are going to pay today and we're going to pay it later. That's, that's the word deferral. The benefit of paying it later is twofold, or two sides to the same coin, if you will. One, when we do get around to paying that tax, and let's assume that the rate's the same, that there's no difference in the rates. We'll talk about that in a minute, that there actually is. But let's assume there's no difference in the rates, that we're simply going to pay the exact same rate on the same tax exposure. We're just paying it later. Well, we're paying it later with a dollar that's not a dollar. A dollar a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, isn't a dollar in today's dollars. It's 90 cents or it's 85 cents or it's 63 cents. It's because of the purchasing power, because of inflation, it is worth less over time. And therefore, we're paying back with dollars that are less dollars, less expensive than today dollars, effectively reducing our tax liability from that standpoint. So that's one of the benefits we get out of the deferral. A bigger benefit, I think, is the fact that we get an interest-free loan. So if we had a situation where without depreciation, without a 1031, we were going to experience a $10,000 tax liability, uh, and let's just use 30% as a rate. So I was going to have to pay $3,000 in taxes. If I can defer that so that I pay that 10 years from now, well, when I pay that $3,000, it's less, right? It's, I'm, I'm paying that with dollars that aren't $3,000 worth of dollars. It's still $3,000 in future dollars, but it's maybe only, you know, 2500 uh, $2, or uh, 2000 or something like that. And I've had that 3000 available to myself for 10 years. So I've been investing that. It's grown in value. It's thrown off cash during that period of time. And I didn't have to pay anybody that. I, I, I effectively borrowed that money from the government, from the taxing authority, by virtue of using these deferrals. So depreciation, and this is going to be true whether it's straight-line depreciation or cost segregation, we utilize cost segregation methodology for our depreciation schedules. Uh, but whether you did straight line or cost segregation, uh, you're getting the benefit of that deferral. Uh, and 1031s absolutely give you the benefits of uh, deferred taxes. So that assumes we're, we're starting there with we're paying the same rates, right? We're simply not paying the tax today. We're going to pay it in the future. Let's move on to how we reduce our tax exposure. And we do that, again, with two specific uh, methodologies. Uh, one is the advantaged rates of depreciation recapture, and the second is the advantaged rates of long-term gains. Now, I said at the very beginning that these were going to all be unique to real estate, uh, to commercial real estate in particular, uh, to how we all invest in commercial multifamily. And that's true. 
as I said when we talked about deferring taxes, we're depreciating an appreciating asset, and that is unique to real estate. When we go to pay that tax, that depreciation recapture, because again, we're simply deferring. We're going to pay it someday. When we do go to pay it, we get to pay at a advantageous rate. Now, if we've used uh, cost segregation, some of our depreciation will be recaptured at ordinary rates and some will be recaptured at these advantageous rates. And the advantageous rates for the vast majority of investors are going to be at a rate that will be less than ordinary income. So I'm not only paying later, but I'm going to be paying back at a lower rate. So I've taken what, as I said, let's use 30%. If I'm in a 30% uh, marginal bracket today, and I'm able to defer that so I'm paying with future dollars that are worth less, I've had use of that money for 10 years, and when I pay it back, I'm paying with some advantaged rate so that I'm not paying at 30%, but I'm paying at 28 or 27 or 26 or maybe even at 25, then I'm saving money three times over, right? I'm saving money because I'm paying with future dollars. I'm saving money because I'm paying at a lower rate. And I'm making more money because I've had use of those dollars for free for 10 years in the example I just gave, right? The other component of how we reduce is that we get to use long-term gains. So any investment that's made in which the position is held for over a year, any gain that's paid on that is paid as a long-term gain. And that's true for real estate, and it's true for all sorts of other kinds of asset classes. Again, invest in a share of uh, General Motors, and it goes up in value, and you hold it for five years. When you go and sell that, you're going to pay long-term gains on your gain position. Again, though, I said this is unique to real estate. So if it's the same for others, what's the unique real estate component? And again, that's the 1031 capability. When my share of General Motors goes up, I can't sell it. I can't say, you know what? I still like the auto industry, but I'd rather own Ford right now. Well, I can't sell my G shares of GM stock and go buy shares of Ford stock without stopping and paying the tax man in between. If I'm invested in multifamily and then I say, you know, I kind of like hospitality right now. I think I'd like to put some money in hospitality. I can sell one of my multifamily positions and I can go buy some hospitality and I can do that using a 1031, right? I can sell an apartment building and go buy a hotel and I can do that using a 1031 in which I can defer that tax exposure into the future. And it's a tool that we get to use in real estate that isn't available to investors in other asset classes, which allows us to not only continue to defer those taxes, but because we now get long-term gains treatment on it, we can get long-term gains treatments on all of these investments. Every investment we make now becomes a long-term gain uh, scenario. Uh, and so we've deferred tax liability. We've reduced it by virtue of taking advantage of these rates that are available to us. And now there's the third component, which is potentially a way to eliminate the tax altogether. And that is through a step-up in basis. Now, you've, you've heard us talk about step-up in basis before. This is not something unique to real estate. Every investment you own can be structured correctly so that it could uh, be subject to this step up in basis. And what that means is if you made an investment 
at $100, and it's gone up to be worth $200, and it's structured correctly, titling, all the other sorts of things, and you pass away, then it can be in your estate be treated as though it has a a $200 basis. So that $100 gain uh, for tax purposes is wiped out. Uh, and that eliminates the uh, possibility of there being double taxation, that there'd be taxation there and then taxation uh, at an estate level. So that's uh, you know kind of the logic behind it. Um, whatever the logic is, that's the, what's in the code. And, and as always, we're, we're big advocates for uh, you know, tax policy is what the tax policy is. Structure your investment portfolio to take advantage of the rules uh, as they're written. Uh, if you want to change a rule, great. Go call your congressman and, and you can get involved to do that. Uh, but in the meantime, we should all play by the rules. And this is what the rules are regarding a step up in basis. Now, that's not unique to real estate. But again, as I said, what's unique to real estate is that you can structure your real estate investments using 1031s so that while you're selling assets and buying new assets and continually growing the value of your portfolio, you're deferring that tax such, such that the step up in basis can be of great value. If you buy a share of stock for $100 in XYZ company, and then five years later you sell it for $200, you got to pay the tax man. And then you go buy another share of stock, and it goes up and it doubles. Well, you got to pay the tax man again. So every time you're, you're making gains, you're getting knocked back a little bit because you're paying that tax. You're not getting that interest-free loan from the federal government. Yes, you're paying at the advantaged rate of long-term gains, but you're, but you're actually paying it as opposed to being able to push that number out and out and out. And so real estate in particular is a great asset to hold as part of your long-term estate plan. It can generate income for you along the way. It can generate income for your estate, for your heirs, uh, and it can be extremely tax efficient. Now, again, this is one you need to talk to your tax advisor. You also probably need to talk to your estate attorney. And if you don't have someone that you've talked to about estate planning, another thing we would encourage you to do then you want to go do that as well so that you're prepared for that. And if you're uh, closer to the end of life than others, uh, that maybe this is uh, something you might feel more critical about. I would also encourage you, if you're 20-something years old and you're looking at doing these things, you should still have an estate plan. Uh, everybody ought to have some kind of plan. Maybe when you're younger, your plan's a little uh, less complex than it'll be later in life after you've uh, gathered more assets around yourself. But everybody ought to have a plan, and your investments should be structured in such a way that they support that plan. So if you're a real estate investor today, good for you. If you're not, if you're someone that's contemplating putting multifamily real estate in your portfolio one, good for you. We strongly advocate that everybody ought to have some in their portfolio. And two, uh, when you do that, uh, you should be looking at how you can take advantage of the ability to defer tax exposure, how you can reduce your actual tax liability, and how you could potentially eliminate those uh, taxes uh, by virtue of using these strategies. One way to do that is to go buy a property and do this work on your own. Uh, and as we've uh, said before, about 90% of what we share here 
on multifamily real estate investing presented by Mara Poling is applicable to the individual that's an owner-operator. The vast majority of real estate investors invest passively, and that would mean picking up the phone and calling someone like Mara Poling or someone else, uh, uh, if you're not going to talk to us, and uh, making an investment passively in a uh, real estate portfolio or in an individual real estate asset. Our total return fund is a portfolio of multifamily properties. We also have individual assets that uh, uh, clients are invested in. However it is that you're invested in multifamily, you want to be talking to the asset manager, that's us, about how does this work? What am, what am I going to experience tax-wise? Uh, what's my K-1 going to look like? The K-1 is the tax document that you get every year that, uh, that lays out the specifics, the numbers that go along with all this. Uh, and if you have any questions about what that looks like, uh, feel free to give me a call. Uh, shoot me an email, again, pat at Mara Polling. Please subscribe so you don't miss any of our content because we do publish new content every uh, week. And please join us again next week for another episode of Multifamily Real Estate Investing presented by Mara Polling.